You're listening to Bell, Book, and Candle with Mela Borowski. Thoughts from a Southern Witch. Should have studied witchcraft. Should have learned to ride a broom. So me and my black cat could fly through the skies underneath the moon. Hey y'all, it's Mella, and we've got a great dialogue for you today. Our guest is Rihanna Milne, Certified Global Life and Love Trauma Recovery Coach. She's a number one best-selling author and host of a podcast called Lessons in Life and Love. She specializes in healing childhood and love trauma wounds for LGBTQ adults and offers life and love transformation coaching programs for both straight and LGBTQ singles and couples globally. Today, we're going to discuss the top 10 traumas that we experience in childhood that sabotage all adults in life, love, and career. It's such an honor to have you on the podcast, Rihanna. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Mel. I'm really happy to be here. Hi, everyone. You've had quite a journey through your life getting to where you are now. What was that journey like moving from owning a talent agency in school, being in the entertainment industry, to getting a triple master's in clinical psychology? That seems like a huge shift to me. Well, I started modeling at age 12. I actually won a scholarship. Uh, I was a family of five kids and they could not afford to send me to modeling school. Mm. So in eighth grade, I entered a writing contest and just wrote my heart out why it was so important for me to feel good about myself because I was really bullied pretty bad in middle school. I ended up winning and that changed my life. It gave me self-esteem. I was out working with the public. I really loved what I did and then moved on to working for a radio station station at age 14. Uh, And by 16, I was working with top celebrities. One of my favorite jobs as a young woman was dancing the entire encore with Freddie Mercury of Queen at the night of the opera concert. So that was really exciting work. And then at age 26, I opened up a model and talent agency in school. And what started me into psychology, I was always interested in how people's minds work and why they Mm -hmm. did what they did. And also working with celebrities, I wanted to know how they went from just that everyday kid to a superstar. Mm. So I was really interested in mindset and what made them tick and how did they make it. So um, I was always very inquisitive and researching that. And what got me into the trauma work was as a talent agent, I was working with a lot of gay and lesbian, extremely talented young people. And even into their older years, I had people age five to 83 at my talent school and I was 26 years old. (laughs) Wow. And, you know, some of the younger ones just, you know, had not come out to their parents and they were very traumatized, uh, bullied in school as well and Mm -hmm. felt different. So I found the creative arts really helped their self-esteem. And just because I cared and some of my best friends when I was young were gay and lesbian, I was able to assist them in that coming out process. Mm. When I opened up my psychotherapy practice after year 2000, I did go back to school in 1997, got a triple master's in applied clinical and counseling psychology, you know, found that I was... uh, able to assist in the coming out process and have parents in my my therapy practice talking with them to help with the understanding with kids so you know it's really i worked with people of trauma in general and uh, coming out is part of that trauma phase that stage again i guess just because i was in the talent industry since i was 12 working around a lot of gay and lesbian individuals a lot were my very good friends 
Um, it was just part of when I do trauma, I'm very comfortable, even though I'm a straight lady, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, in, in working with gay and lesbian uh, friends and clients. So that's how that all happened. And I had a traumatic love relationship at age um, 24, 25. I had two daughters that are amazing to this day and very successful, mm -hmm. but their father was not a very good person and ended up taking a lot of money from my mother, which oh, wow. due to the fact I have integrity, it was my responsibility to pay it back. So it was yeah. $200,000, which when wow. you're a 24 year single mom with two little yeah. girls is a lot. That's a lot, yeah. So that was my love trauma and um, needing to be strong and balanced and have the mindset for success to keep going. And by 30, I had two homes, one for my girls and I, and one for my model and talent school that I remade into a very cool agency. <laughs> Mm. So, you know, it was the mindset that got me and a lot of my talent where they wanted to be to reach their dreams and goals in the talent industries. Mm. I had models, singers, actors, dancers, and this was an eerie PA. So they were just known as small town people <laughs> and people were laughing at their dreams. But I had one girl mm. that wanted to be a rockette dancer and she became a rockette. I had a one guy that, you know, dreamed to be on Baywatch and he was on Baywatch. So, wow. you know, it, it was great fun for me to work with people's dreams and get them to believe in themselves. It's funny, one of my one of my gay males had to come out to his father and I helped him with that process. And I later made him my school director when my school was uh, bought out by New York. I moved up there and he ran the, the Erie School and, and then he became a principal at a school and soon to retire. So he goes, you gave me my start. You know, if I wasn't a director of your school, I wouldn't be able to get into schools. So, wow. you know, it's just this incredible world of how, you know, mindset and belief in oneself can help you no matter what difficulty you're going through. Yeah, that's really incredible. I heard you say in one of your videos that 90% of the population has been affected by childhood trauma. Can you explain what trauma is? Yes. Um, well, when my second uh, love trauma was with someone who was a school principal in a whole different area of New Jersey, mm -hmm. and we were introduced by a school superintendent, and uh, he was fabulous to everyone that knew him, you know, very gregarious, outgoing, handsome, fun, charming. Uh, kids loved him, parents loved him, and then he had a whole secret life that actually mm -hmm. ended up exploding at the school level. And that ruined our marriage. So when that happened, that's when I he said to me, I don't know why I sabotage everything I love. And I said, I don't know either, but I'm going to figure it out. Because mm -hmm. in the master's program, we did not get any educational childhood trauma. Mm -hmm. So that's when my research, deep research in psychological journals started happening. And I started putting the pieces together. And I worked my whole career with people of trauma. So I was in the schools from grades kindergarten all the way through college as a SAC counselor in New Jersey, um, which is student assistance counselor working with the emotionally upset or traumatic kids. Mm -hmm. I um, worked in a mental health ward for kids age five to 19. I worked in a drug and alcohol rehab for teens and one for women of the prison system. So no matter their age, race, culture, background, straight, gay, lesbian, didn't matter. Matter, that's top 10 traumas kept coming up and I put it into what I call my childhood trauma checklist mm. nice and simple and I had all my clients start doing that and then I started putting the pieces together of what they experienced as a child as to what we're seeing coming out in their adult life 
which was fascinating. So I just started putting the puzzle pieces together. So the research shows of these top 10 traumas, yes, at least 90% have one to three of the top 10 traumas. Wow. However, others are saying the other 10% are sociopaths who admit nothing is wrong with them. Mm. So we're basically <laughs> saying everyone has everybody. at least one to three. Wow. And when I go through the top 10 traumas, you'll see everybody does have at least one in this list already. So if not more. Okay. And these top 10 traumas, these experiences create issues for all adults, you're saying, not just LGBTQ. Correct. Okay. Yes. Do you want to tell us about those? Yes. Yeah. And for our listeners, as I'm going through them, if you're able to write them down, you might want to, to see how many you might have. Mm -hmm. And keep in mind when you were a child, you were young and innocent and only a product of your family and school environment and your neighborhood. So you were innocent. You only knew how to cope and develop coping strategies that might have become normalized as an adult. And this is where we find that it often then causes traumatic relationships. Mm -hmm. So um, we don't want you to look at this with any blame or shame, no blame towards yeah. your parents or any shame that you might have experienced these, okay? Because we're just trying to say, fact, did it happen or did it not? And you might say no, and then like in the middle of the night, it's like, oh my God, I remember that happening, mm -hmm. you know? Because that's how that happened to me. I could clearly see my ex-husband's traumas. And I knew I had two. And then a third one came to me. I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, I remember this had happened. So that often comes that way when you relax and just, you know, open yourself up to saying, did this happen, you know, as a factual experience. Be open. Be That's open right. when you're listening. Exactly. Okay. So the first one is if your parents or caretakers had any addiction issues. So because I'm an addictions counselor, I name more than maybe the Kaiser Permanente study for the ACE test just says if they had drugs or alcohol and they stop. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, there's a lot more. So if they use drugs or alcohol, sex is one I name if you knew your parent was a cheater mm -hmm. and you had to hold that secret. Gambling, porn, hoarding, mm -hmm. spending, eating, gaming, TV watching, workaholism, and social media addiction or being on the machines, the computer. So very often these will come before the parent-child bond. Mm -hmm. The second one is verbal abuse. So you might've been watching mom or dad yelling and screaming at each other. You might have had those words, those angry words yelled at you. It could have been a passive aggressive uh, situation where when they were angry, instead of yelling, they wouldn't talk to you for two or three days. It could be not hearing the words, I love you, or I'm proud of you or great job kiddo, you know, I knew you mm. did your best, I'm proud of you. Those words are super important to kids and many of us did not hear those. Okay, so that's verbal. Next is emotional abuse or neglect. The fourth one would be physical abuse, so any kind of beatings, sexual abuse or rape or molestation. And those of course could happen inside or outside of the home. Some people say, wow, my home life was amazing, but I'd walk to school and get beat up by the bully every day. Mm -hmm. So there's physical abuse in his life, right? Yeah. Okay, so it, it could be, again, any environment these happening. The next one is abandonment, and there's two types. There's fault and no-fault abandonment. So a no-fault abandonment would be if a parent happens to die early, if they go off to serve war for their country, if they travel a lot, 
And this one is the one I had to discover. And it's like, yeah, I remember saying, when's daddy coming home? And my mom didn't know where he was. Mm -hmm. And I was wearing if he was okay. But later in life, we found out he was FBI and CIA. So they can't tell their family where they are, right? So that's no fault because his work supported the family. And then the next one would be fault abandonment. So never being involved in your child's life, being involved for a period of time while the marriage or the relationship stayed together. Then once there was a breakup, you kind of disappeared or you barely saw the child. Or there's even one when the parent is in the home, but they're just so emotionally distant. They just like kind of abandon. And this happens a lot with our LGBTQ clients, right? They, um, the parent just is not involved. They just kind of emotionally check out. If the kids are visiting them on weekends, you know, a lot of times dad's in front of TV watching football all weekend and the kid's in his room. And I've heard that all the time in my therapy practice. Why do I have to go to my dad's house when he barely talks to me? You know, it's like I'm ignored anyway that, you know, we talk then about empowerment and standing up in court and speaking for themselves if that's how they really feel. Mm -hmm. You know, if they they try to approach their parent or they want to approach their parent with me in the counseling room, you know, we would always do that first. But there Mm -hmm. was always different options that uh, the teen could always um, choose for themselves. And then um, the next one would be if they were part of foster care, adopted, or had to go live at other people's homes. Now, one of my clients said to me, Rihanna, does that count if I chose to live at one of my friend's houses? Because every time I go home, my parents were drunk or yelling and screaming. I didn't want to go home. I said, yes, that counts. Hmm. So a lot of older teens will end up, you know, kind of being semi-adopted by one of their friend's parents, you know, who are more Mm -hmm. loving and kind. And that would count as that one, trauma six. Okay, trauma number seven is one that most people identify with the easiest and the quickest, and that's personal trauma. This is if you were ever bullied or felt different. Mm -hmm. So that was one I knew right away. Yep, that's one of mine, you know. Yeah. It could be our our young gay and lesbian, our transgender kids trying to come out. You know, maybe they look different than their peers, so they're teased for that. It could be being a heavy, overweight child, uh, the skinny and gawky child called the nerd, someone that might have had a medical condition, teased for that. You know, I know working in the elementary schools, you know, kids with their inhalers were often teased or bullied. Just not being part of that cool crowd, uh, being teased and bullied online. There's just Mm. so many traumatic situations for our young people today. Trauma number eight is sibling trauma. That could be the sibling bullied you or didn't accept you. It could be um, them being born with a medical issue. So mom and dad needed to give them more time. Or it could have been also they were perceived by you as they were the golden child, the favorite of mom and dad, the star athlete, more handsome, more beautiful, the smarter child. You know, for some reason they were, you know, just given more attention and love by mom and dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, trauma number nine is uh, the one that we're all experiencing right now, which is called community trauma. And there's two parts to, to number nine. First one's community. So we're all experiencing around the globe the COVID pandemic. Mm-hmm. So all of us are part of this community trauma. Uh, we're watching people lose their jobs, stand in food lines. Um, die so quickly. Numbers of death on the TV. Our young people are hearing this. They're afraid for their parents to go off to work, 
afraid they might get sick. So there's so much stress around this going on right now. Our community traumas are also our mass shootings or the school shootings. It's also mother nature events. So uh, major ice storms, mudslides, fires, hurricanes, tornadoes that impact communities at large. These are all considered community traumas and we can see how many of these are constantly going on. And the second part of nine is family trauma. So if the community is affected, so is the family, right? So we're seeing families today lose their homes and can't pay their heating or electrical bills, you know, not enough food for the family, all working at home. And there's a lot of fighting in the house with kids, you know, screaming and upset. They can't play with their friends. There's just a lot of turmoil within the family. Before COVID, this also meant if a parent was incarcerated, if you grew up in a dangerous neighborhood, if you remember a lot of lack, you know, we don't have money for clothes. No, you can't get the new sneakers. We don't have money for that. Always those messages we don't have, right? You know, that's yeah. a lack mentality. So hearing a lot of those messages, it's also our military families that are moving every two to four years here in the USA. They have to, you know, that's always the new kid in school, right? Mm -hmm. So that's yeah. hard on the child and also hard on the, the parent who is relocating. Um, so those are a few of the family traumas. And then the last one is mental health illness in mom or dad. I'm part of the baby boomer population. We didn't see our parents go to counseling. I remember when I was being bullied so bad, I begged my mom to go to counseling. And she says, no one in this family will ever go to counseling. And I defiantly said, <laughs> then I'll grow up and become one. And oh, here wow. I am. <laughs> yes, I, I did. I staked my, you know, my stick in the mud and said, this is what I'm going to be, you know, because mm. kids need help with this. And I always remember, you know, going through that pain. So I always wanted to stand up for the underdog, the person that was bullied or didn't, you know, was always going through a hard time from the lack of empathy from others. So that's why I work with trauma today. Oh, let me go into the two mental health ones. Yeah, that are difficult. The one is bipolar, which is manic depressive in your parent. So that could be um, a manic phase, could be high and happy uh, with a lot of energy. It also could be a gambling spree, a spending spree, an eating binge, right? So it's not always good. Mm -hmm. And depression can show up as, you know, manic depressive can show up as extreme fatigue, checking out emotionally, or even anger. And then uh, borderline personality disorder, uh, I describe it as uh, erratic moods. So that when they're good, they could be great, but when they're bad, they're horrid, and you never know what they're going to get. These people will fly off the handle with anger at the simplest little thing that nobody else could get angry at. So for a little child who um, mentally is not developed, you know, in their brain and the ability to process what should they do, this is a very difficult mental health disorder for a child to grow up around. Would narcissism be in there as well? The narcissist is uh, usually someone that has nine, eight to 10 traumas with a severity level of nine to 10. Mm. Uh, the narcissist will always put themselves first. They don't think of what their actions are doing to others or hurting others. Um, there's a lot of self-centeredness. There's a whole long list of, as far as narcissism, but mm. I don't know if I'm you sure. want me to go into that <laughs> No, <today>. that's fine. <laughs> that's okay. fine. As I'm going through this list, I have checked off every single one of them. I have 
I've had a pretty traumatic childhood. Wow. Yeah, I'm sorry for that. Mm-hmm. Well, it it has made me who I am today. I'm with the abandonment. I I had a question. The no fault would that also include if you had a sick parent who was who always was sick in bed? Yes, that's a no fault abandonment. Okay. I mean, they can't help that that they're yeah. sick, but the emotional connection often suffers because they just don't have the ability and the capacity to be, you know, the full right. emotionally acting parent. Yeah, I'm 49 and I've gone through dialectical behavior therapy and lots of therapists and counselors and psychiatrists to get to the point where I am today. That's why I do what I do is because I was able to kind of dig myself out of all of this and find a way to live a more resilient life. So, but still, yes, I did check every single one of these. So if somebody's listening and they checked a bunch too, you're not alone. It happens. Right. Right. So with the trauma work that I do as a CCTP, which is Certified Clinical Trauma Professional, I work with my clients four to six months. Mm -hmm. And I call it like a rainbow effect. And I was at the one side of, I don't know what I don't know. I don't know why I keep attracting toxic partners. I certainly don't Mm -hmm. want them. I want someone with their life together. Why don't I have someone like this? Yeah. And that was where I was. And my seven psychotherapy friends had no idea what my ex-husband had. He was nothing diagnosable in the DSM-4. So it was, you know, that was my mission to heal myself first, Mm -hmm. to figure this out, which the research certainly helped. And a lot of the research is in my book, Love Beyond Your Dreams, Mm. Break Free of Toxic Relationships to Have the Love You Deserve. And that went to a number one bestseller on Amazon. Mm. Um, So that was a lot of the research. I got up to 400 pages and it's like, wow, I've got to stop. <laughs> and then I created a workbook. So my clients have a 150 page workbook Wow. with simple exercises. You know, it's check marks or one to four or yes, no. And then that helps me get to the bottom of, you know, the unconscious patterns that they're doing that show up in life, love or career. Hmm. So what's an example of these traumas coming out in love life? Okay, so let's talk about where they come from. So if you're dating someone that has jealousy and control, well, control comes from not feeling good enough, trauma seven, or having a very hectic household. There was always a lot of cheap drama or fighting. So when a child feels they don't have control over what mom and dad do, or the drama in their house, they crave control as an adult. Mm -hmm. Now, very often this can work out well in the workplace, right? You've got everything Mm -hmm. in order. You're controlling what happens this day, this day, this day. And very often, like most of my clients are successful in business, but struggle in love. Mm -hmm. But when you start controlling your partner, and nitpicking them apart, especially if it's a woman towards a male Mm -hmm. due to male ego, these relationships usually fall apart and become pretty volatile. Or they often can lack personal control, so they could be impulsive. Sometimes coming from that lack mentality, I didn't have this as a kid, so I want the red sports car, and my wife is just gonna have to deal with it. You know, that's impulse. feeling they deserve it because they didn't have it, or I'm going to have this wealthy life because I grew up so poor. Now, nothing's wrong with that. That's part of Oprah's story because she grew up with a lot of uh, childhood trauma. Mm -hmm. But, um, and that can often push somebody into being quite successful. But sometimes some of the underlying uh, things still 
exist. Jealousy is is a sidetrack of trauma seven and also trauma two, getting those words like change your clothes, you're too fat in that. Or I'm not sending you to college. Why should I waste my money on you? You know, comments like that, which we call put downs or slights, really do end up lingering in in a child and adult's mind. So jealousy can just feel like you're not going to measure up. Your partner's going to go after someone else because you don't feel up to par or good enough. Um, You know, so, you know, you might try to control your partner's actions. That's going to make them only angry and wanting them to get away from you, right? So jealousy is something that we definitely have to heal. Um, Someone who is a liar and manipulator, which is often the charmer, they've learned those skills when they were young because they were afraid of being punished. So let's say there's an alcoholic father that would beat his son every day. Well, if he came home and says, well, dad, I'm late because I was going for extra help. Well, then he found, wow, that worked. Okay, I don't get beat today. Mm. You know, so lying became a coping strategy or survival skill and then becoming part of their normal personality. And these would be people you'd say, why'd you lie about that? You know, you don't even have to, it's not even a big deal. And you lied about that. Yeah. You know, that's someone that makes lying so normalized and manipulation is trying to get something you really want or need when you weren't able to have it. Mm. Uh, that's where that comes. So that could be coming from lack either of finances in the family or something like that. Perfectionism is often big. Blaming behavior, not taking responsibility. It's always somebody else's fault. A lot of women have people pleasing where they can't say no so and they overdo for others. Um, eventually that makes them very angry and resentful. And as a child, this was used to get love or to raise self-esteem. So they might have people please their teachers because if they weren't getting love at home, they were the teacher's pet at least they would get some love from the teacher or if there was the alcoholic mom you might get if you're the older sibling get your siblings up get them dressed ready for school out to the school bus pleasing her so she wouldn't be yelling and screaming at any of you in the morning and it just Mm. then became a habit and I had a couple come in and the woman said to me you know my husband and kids don't love me like I love them I do everything for them and they do nothing for me. And that's a definite people pleaser statement. And I said, you know, you must have had difficult parents. You must have had to really people please them when you were growing up. She goes, oh my God, how'd you know? <laughs> it's like these patterns become very, very common and familiar to me. Hmm. Anger, acting out in anger, shutting down, becoming passive aggressive. Now someone passive aggressive could be from if they tried to speak up and defend themselves as a kid, they might've got whacked across the face. So they learned, I better say nothing, feel nothing, you know, and just act like a zombie until they get over it. Yeah, that was me. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. So if you have a partner who says, well, just talk to me and tell me what's, what you're feeling. I mean, the fear inside is so real as if it were happening, Yep. you know, last week. So I have to work with my people in sharing their feelings, their emotions, not shutting down 
or not becoming passively aggressive. A lot of the talent I worked with had imposter syndrome. So these would be people who were told from their families. Like I had a large size model, Jennifer, she's really beautiful. She came to me at a size 23 and her family's laughing at her. She goes, you're too fat to model. Why are you gonna throw your money away? This is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. She goes, because I think I could be a large size model. And they're all laughing. She comes into me, you know, in tears. I said, Jennifer, if you want it, and I'm there helping you, we're gonna do this girl. We are going to get this done. I said, I need you down to like a size 16, 18. Can you do that with my guidance? She said, yes. So mm -hmm. she did and she became a Ford special size model and was making wow. a ton of money. You know, Amazing. I had an older lady come in, Hildy, my oldest model was 83 and her husband was so mad at her. He shut down and talked to her for weeks cause she went through their bank account. She goes, I always wanted to be a model. None of my husbands would let me if I don't do it now, I will never do it before I die. So get in on in here, Hildy. Let's make this work for you. <laughs> wow. She was one of my busiest book models was senior banking, senior physical therapy, mm. doctors, billboards. I mean, she got tons of money. And eventually the husband comes in, goes, Miss Rihanna, I must apologize. It was very difficult to you and my wife when, you know, she first started this. I said, look, never put somebody <laughs> down for their dream. Dreams yeah. are important. And you know, there's always a way. If the mindset for success is there, we can make it happen. So this is, you know, just part of the trauma, whether you're hearing it, and it's sad because you hear it mostly from people you love. Yeah. You know, that should be supporting you and loving you. And, you know, that's the stories as well with my gay and lesbian clients that I've worked with. I was wondering, do traumas affect LGBTQ folks differently? Not really. I mean, I'll give you some stories of mine. I worked, um, I was one of the coaches in the TV docuseries called Radical Dating, Finding Lasting Love Over 40. And there was two straight women, one straight male, one gay male. And um, I didn't really care who I was assigned. You know, mm -hmm. I, I explained I do trauma work and all, all of them wrote down that they wanted to work with me mm -hmm. <laughs> um, because they all recognized they had trauma. But Scott, the gay male, had both childhood and love trauma. A very sad story. His partner, eight years, was killed by a car. Mm. And then when he came out at age 19, his mother was very much in the Hollywood scene. She was an, an actress on a TV series. And she goes, oh, no, 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 you will not be gay and embarrass me in front of my friends. Mm. So she he had mother rejection and loss. She was barely around. He said he was basically raised by the nannies and, um, you know, and then he lost his partner. So he had both traumas going on and, you know, he was considered the long shot of the show. I said, yeah, I want Scott. I want the long shot. Yes. Give him to me. So um, he was the first to date, the first to have an exclusive partner, and now he's very happily married. Wow. Of all of them. Like, I don't even know if the other one's even married. So, I mean, that's a, a beautiful success story. And these, these clients have given me permission to share their stories in the hopes that they can help others as well. My, my one client shows, a uh, lesbian client, she had, you know, abandonment issues when she tried to come out. Her family kicked her out. She was living on the streets. She says, you know, I looked like a little boy. You know, she was very mm -hmm. butch in her appearance. Uh, so she couldn't get a job and society, she said, didn't accept her. So she just had to do what she could to survive. And then she got into an adult uh, relationship with a woman who was very, very abusive to her, very mm -hmm. abusive. And that's when she had come to me. 
So she was in the midst of love trauma. She was hired and liked her work. She was very smart in IT, uh, liked her work, but she was also bullied there. So she said she was just barely surviving. And we got her to the point of really thriving. When she was with me, she got a huge work promotion. She is now with uh, a partner very happily, um, I think five years now. Wow. So, you know, they learn the dating skills. Uh, they learn communication, relationship skills. They have to calm all their emotional triggers by using the mindset for success and the trauma healing work. Very interesting. But no, the trauma is it's different, but it's the same, right? And then mm -hmm. we have to look yeah. at what stage in life they choose to come out, whether they come out younger in life. Mm hmm or older in life. And that would also depend on the type of work that they're getting with me. But I work with everyone one-on-one. -on -one. It's a VIP service. Mm. So we're, it's not like you're sitting in a group of 50 people and you hope to speak for three minutes that day right. or that, get one good. question answered. I have done very small groups of five and one-on-ones mm. and primarily. But we had also an interesting story when I was in one of the schools, the story was on 60 Minutes with Barbara Walters, uh, where Richard went home for school after second grade and came back third grade as Riley mm. in a dress with longer hair, insisting he was Riley, a girl. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the mother was very much on board with getting her help. And, uh, you know, I was the counselor that was part of the education for the staff and the kids and made sure there was no bullying going on. Mm and making sure that, you know, she had full support. And it was difficult because the father wouldn't accept it. You know, oh, she, yeah. she was a, a set of twins, a boy and girl twin set. Mm. So, you know, the father was very upset. He was, quote, losing his son, unquote. And that was the only children they had. So it was a lot of trauma, but she was a brave little girl. Let me tell you yeah, something. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just getting that that love and acceptance and healing that original trauma that's so important for our LGBTQ population. And I'm the parent of children who identify as LGBTQ. So that's why I'm very interested in it. They're in their 20s, their early 20s now. Mm -hmm. And they experienced bullying and it was heartbreaking as a It mother. is heartbreaking. Yeah. And I, I really don't think it's ever too late to do what you need to do with your children, but maybe thinking about younger kids, any advice to parents on supporting a struggling kid? You know, we have to realize I'm a parent of two daughters and my niece and nephew are one is gay, one is lesbian. And, you know, we have to realize this is family. These are our kids, mm, <laughs> right? Yeah. And God loves all of us. Yeah. And if they are telling you that they feel different, like Richard insisting, no, I am a girl. And in, in mm. second grade, knowing this for as insisting, you know, yeah. that this is who he is, you know, love them because they are your children. Mm. And when there's rejection, you know, it's only going to hurt you down the road. The child will very often get into substance abuse, um, reckless behavior, take to the streets. And you don't want that. It's still yeah. your ch children, your flesh and blood. So get them the support with someone that's used to working with LGBTQ clients. If they had more than their share of trauma, 
most of our gay lesbian kids do have a lot of trauma already but if they're saying it or showing it like when i was working in the mental health unit at atlantic care hospital i had a lot of gay and lesbian clients as well and you know they were cutting or uh, suicidal or runaways and there's two types of kids there's internalizers that will suffer in silence they're depressed uh, they might take pills, they're uh, always in their room, they're, they're very sad, you know, deep journal writing, mm -hmm. you know, they may take to art, art is good therapy, by the way, um, to get their feelings out, and so is journaling, but, you know, if they're cutting or doing other things in quiet and secrecy, that's the internalizer. The externalizer is that angry, acting out child. Um, maybe running away, maybe blatantly taking drugs, blatantly, you know, beating up other kids, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. uh, they're all signs for help. And it just isn't a phase and it's just not, quote, going to go away. And you can't, you know, insist someone gay be straight. It's yeah. not going to happen, you know. So love them and accept them as your child. And this is the way they are. This is the way God wants them to be let them live in love yeah last year my youngest told me that they were non-binary and wanted me to start using the pronoun they them and that has for some reason it's been so difficult for me but i think that the fact that i am trying so hard and if i make a mistake even if i'm on my podcast and i make a mistake i will I will switch up and, and correct myself. And I think that's really important too. That shows, to me, that shows I love them enough to exactly. think it through. Exactly. And a lot of, you know, the females that are in trans, transing over, right? To men, mm -hmm. they want to be called him. Right. Right. Um, and, you know, whatever their preference is, you know, just say, I am trying with love and a full acceptance, honey, but sometimes mom is just screws up. Yes. You know, absolutely. and they're going to love you and accept you for that. Yeah. You're trying instead That's of right. just saying, no, it's too hard. I can't do it. <laughs> You'll get it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us a little about your book so we can find them on Amazon, I believe. Sure. Um, love Beyond Your Dreams. And there's a sister book, which is called Live Beyond Your Dreams From Fear and Doubt to Personal Power, Purpose, and Success. That's all about the mindset for success, which is so important when you're going through difficult transitions. It will help get you through. They're both on Amazon. They're both available in Barnes and Noble stores uh, in the U.S. And they're on other like BN.com, uh, Amazon, of course, Kobo Books and other places online. Wonderful. And the, you can get the first 60 pages of each book for free at my website, RihannaMilne.com. And also while you're there, I have four free love tests. They're for couples or single people and straight and LGBTQ can take them. They all apply. I'll get a copy of them and I'll review it and get back to you. Also, uh, there's the free ebook, you know, why not out of 10 people struggle in life and love and how to have the love you deserve. And that is a free ebook for you to download right on the homepage. And I'll also tell you how you can meet with me for a private session. It's only $47. Mm -hmm. I do a deep dive into getting to the basis of your traumas and how they're showing up in your adult life and getting you on the roadmap to healing. Well, those are just gracious gifts. So thank you so much for just being so gracious with uh, the gifts that you give 
to the listeners. You're welcome. I hope it helps. I do too. And I think people need to take you up, go, go look at the website and maybe as they've been listening, it's really sparked something and they would want to work with you. So any final words for us, Rihanna? Um, now is the time. Like, don't wait. If you have heard this show and you're I- identifying with some of those past traumas and you think they're impacting you today in your adult life, like in, in life, I mean, ongoing anxiety or bouts of depression, negative fear-based thinking in love with the, some of the ones that we talked about in business, they may show up as you get so far, then you stop investing in yourself because it's like, ah, oh, this won't work. Or you stay in that nine to five job that you hate because you're afraid to do something for yourself. There's many ways this shows up, but um, get the free resources at rihannamilne.com. My podcast, Lessons in Life and Love on YouTube under Rihanna Milne has, I have like 230 tapes you can listen to or watch and, you know, just start today creating the life you really do desire and to have the love that you deserve. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Rihanna. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. I hope that this has been meaningful to y'all. It's certainly been eye-opening to me. Y'all check out those gracious gifts that Rihanna Milne has just made available to us on her website. And if you want to hear more, her YouTube channel is just packed full of amazing information. I really love it when our listeners support our guests. And remember, if you reach out to them, tell them you heard them on Bell, Book, and Candle. And remember also that if you go to our podcast website, you can comment on this episode with your thoughts and your questions, and you can even click the little microphone and send me a voice message, which might be used on a future episode. Take care, and y'all be blessed. Thank you all for listening to Bell, Book, and Candle. You can follow Mella on Instagram and Facebook at bellbookcandlesc. That's Bell, B-E-L-L-E, or become a patron at patreon.com forward slash bellbookcandle.